0: We'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for November 24th, 2013, and continuing, this is a email I received from a listener uh, named Justin, and he said, uh, Dr. Scott, I just had to share my experience at a recent church service I attended locally in Tampa, Florida. Some of the events that transpired are nothing short of shocking. So I went to a large singles midweek church service tonight, and I was absolutely shocked at the service. To start with, blaring rock music with little to no substantive biblical relevance, and most of the girls dressed in very provocative attire. (laughs) It's like a club, in other words. Now remember what we were just talking about with Rick Warren? About the the signs that you're... And that was one of the main things. Heavy metal rock music, throwing out the um You know, that type of thing? Well, this is beyond that even, it sounds like. This would be, you know, like the next level. Okay, he goes on to say, that I was kind of expecting considering it is a large, quote, trendy church, and that's par for the course in these types of young adult ministries. But the next part floored me. They were covering a series on biblical manhood and womanhood. Uh, Evidently, uh, between the uh, guitar riffs. And uh, guitar solos, they were covering that. Anyway, and and the men and the women broke out into separate groups. Both the men and the women were split into separate groups, and there were women leading both groups. Well, in the men's group, I listened for a few minutes because I thought she was either going to introduce her husband or give a quick testimony, but I was incorrect. She was preaching to a group of single adult men, 20s to 40s, on how to be a biblical man so let me get this straight a woman is going to teach a man how to be a man unbelievable then she then stated that usually she addresses women's conferences and but and this was her first time speaking to men and she was a little apprehensive well you know a few of the men actually applauded her it was like I was like it was in the twilight zone um anyway I've done a whole teaching on the whole uh what women can do for the Lord. And it's not pastor church. It's not teach men. The Bible is very clear on that. It's not chauvinistic. It's just what the Bible lays out. And the Bible talks about qualifications for a deacon, elder, pastor, bishop, whatever. And it's always, always, always the husband of one wife, not the wife of one husband. So, in other words, what she was doing was totally biblically out of line. Uh, going further, It says, I was very close to speaking up right there and rebuking her for first violating biblical scripture on teaching men. And then second from the sheer idiocy of a woman trying to teach a man how to be a man. Instead, after looking around the room and not noticing anyone in in disagreement, remember, my people love to have it so. Like that one Bible verse that we quoted before. Well... Uh, I just left instead. I'm sure it would be casting my pearls before swine in this situation. Attached is a copy of the bulletin or program, which, as you can see, is fairly crass. Um, yeah, I'm looking at this, and it, this is a this is the actual cover of it. Okay, so I'm looking at this bulletin that he sent me, and it's. I don't even know. It's got this really weird symbol on it, and it has the picture of a of a city in the background. I'm assuming it's Tampa, and it says this is the 1119, 2013 bulletin. Okay, it's got this. It's real dark. It's a city at night. It's in the background, and it only has this little thing on the cover, and it, and it's here's what we're going to discuss in this in this adult singles Christian church sanctioned event. okay. Here's what we're going to discuss. This is the 11-19-2013. First subject, why do men have nipples? And then, in the other mysteries of biblical manhood and womanhood. I'm not making this up. This is just a typical example of, you know, where the church is sunk to, I guess you would say. So, yeah, that's what they were uh, evidently going to get into that night. Those deep biblical subjects. So, anyway, yeah, that's, that's just one example of uh, what's going on. Here... We're going to talk, I mentioned this at the very beginning, the Sunday Assembly Atheist Mega take root in America. As we get closer and closer to the arrival of the Antichrist, we see the rise of spiritual darkness spreading all over, not just America, but over the whole world. The Bible has promised that this would take place in the time at the end, and so we are seeing this happen in front of us everywhere we look. On the heels of this open celebration of pagan worship, will follow Satanism and sacrifices of blood, animals, and humans on a demonic altar. Literally, this is where we're coming to. It's all part of the book of Revelation, and you can have a look for yourself. Revelation 9 says, And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the work of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murderers, nor sorceries nor of their fornication nor of their thefts that'll be like the standard behavioral pattern essentially for the you know particularly they that take the mark of the beast so he's saying do you want to see prophecy you want to see prophecy being fulfilled well here it is it looked like a typical sunday morning this is from the associated press out of los angeles It says, it looked like a typical Sunday morning at at any megachurch. Several hundred people, including families with small children, packed in for more than an hour of rousing music, an inspirational talk, and some quiet reflection. The only thing missing was God. Nearly three dozen gatherings dubbed atheist megachurches by supporters and detractors have sprung up around the U.S. and Australia, with more to come after finding great success in Great Britain this year. The movement is fueled by social media and spearheaded by two prominent British comedians, and it is no joke. On Sunday, the inaugural Sunday Assembly in Los Angeles attracted several hundred people, bound by their belief in non-belief. Similar gatherings in San Diego, Nashville, New York, and other U.S. cities have drawn hundreds of atheists, seeking the camaraderie of a congregation without religion or ritual. Here we see these two uh, idiotic Women, not to say there's not a ton of men in there, and they're high-fiving each other, um, celebrating godlessness. I mean, think about it. What are they going there to celebrate? They're going there to celebrate that they believe there is no God. Therefore, there's no holy God they have to answer to when they die. Therefore, they think in their own deluded minds that they're off the hook. There's no heaven, there's no hell. There's no hell that we have to worry about plunging into. So we're happy. We can live like devils. Do what thou wilt should be the whole of the law. Eat, drink, and live, for tomorrow we die. That type of attitude. The Alister Crowley attitude and in, in attitudes that are referred to in the Bible. I mean, I, I just, I look at these pictures of these people, and it's like, what are you there celebrating? You're celebrating because you think there's no God and therefore there's other people around you that are with you because, so therefore you feel empowered in this belief system because you think, well, we can't all be wrong. You know, it's so evil. I mean, these people genuinely look like they're having a wonderful, great, happy time. The founders, a British duo, Sanderson Jones and Pippa Evans, are currently on a tongue in cheek 40 dates and 40 nights tour. Get it, 40 days and 40 nights of rain? When judgment came upon the world in Noah's day? Killed every single person? Well, see, they got to make a mockery of that, because evidently that that never happened, even though archaeologically that's easily proven. Just reference um, Kent Hovind's video teachings you can view for free on YouTube. On Noah's Flood. Well, there's a lot of other good creation ministries that have got into that as well. But, yeah, it's the tongue-in-cheek 40 dates and 40 nights tour around the U.S. and Australia to drum up donations to help launch the new Sunday Assemblies. They hope to raise more than $800,000 that will help atheists launch their pop-up congregations around the world. So far, they have raised more than fifty grand. The movement dovetails with new studies that show an increasing number of Americans are drifting from any religious affiliation. The Pew Forum on Religion and Public Life released a study last year that found that 20% of Americans say they have no religious affiliations, which is an increase from 15% in the last five years. 15%. Wow. That means it was 5%? Five years ago? Now it's 20%? Wow, that's uh, quite a bit. Pew researchers stressed, however, that the category also encompasses majorities of people who said they believed in God, but had no ties with organized religion, and people consider themselves to be spiritual but not religious. Sunday Assembly, whose motto is, Live Better, Help Often, Wonder More, taps into that universe of people who left their faith, but now miss the community the church provided. Said Phil Zuckerman, a professor of secular studies, at uh, Pitzer College in Claremont. So a lot of these people were in some type of organized church, left that, but missed the fellowship. Didn't believe in God anymore, but missed that fellowship and camaraderie. So now they've found a place they can go and be all devils together, I guess. Here it shows a picture. I, I, these people look brain damaged to me. I'm sorry. I don't know what to put it... <laughs> I posted a picture of this. They look brain damaged. They are, really. I don't know what to be mean. I'm just saying, they, they don't look right. Okay, it shows a picture of them. I can't even help but laugh every time I look at this picture. God bless them. I pray to God they get saved. I really do. I don't want to see them burn in hell. I don't. Okay, But this is also such an abomination. They're, they're acting so happy. It's like they're so happy that they believe God doesn't exist. What an absolute abomination in the sight of God to see this type of behavior go on. They talk about professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And Psalm 14.1, it says, The fool has said in, their, in his heart that there is no God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Remember those verses I was just quoting from in Romans 1, that they're without excuse? And that the heavens declare God's glory? I mean, you you can't escape it. You look up into the sky, day or night, Think, just start to ponder all the things that had to happen for us to be here. It, there's no possible way it could have all been by chance. And you've got these morons... That are gathering together by the hundreds, celebrating that there is no God. And God is the one that gave them breath in their lungs, that lets them live, that lets their heart beat another beat, and they're sitting there celebrating like there's no God. What an abomination Oh, man, I mean, what? it's like we want to slap you and spit in your face, God, as much as we possibly can. And we're going to gather together and make sure that you know that. You talk about no fear of God. It makes me so angry to see this at the same time. Because of what they're... I mean, I can understand if it was a false religion... Charismania, at least they think they're worshiping God. These people are going out of the way to make to make sure that no, we don't even believe there is a God. How beyond evil. I, I just, I can't get over these pictures on this particular story. Here we see these people, attendees singing a song, At the Sunday Assembly, a godless congregation on Sunday, November 10th in Los Angeles. (laughs) Beyond unbelievable. The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. The ones that say there is no God. They are corrupt they have done abominable works now if you were corrupt and you had done abominable works wouldn't it be better for you to believe there is no God because then you don't have to answer to God if you could self delude yourself somehow into believing that line of garbage sure it's gonna it's gonna tickle your thought process and, and and it's gonna be much more palatable for you but they are corrupt they have done abominable works there is none that doeth good there is none that Who would say in his heart that there is no God that doeth good? Every one of their works is an abomination, is a filthy rag in God's eyes. Absolutely. I mean, any of our, all our righteousness are as filthy rags apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible is very clear on that. Oh, I, I just, I really have a hard time with this one. Thus saith the Lord the King of Israel and his redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I am the last, and beside me there is no God. That's the facts. Isaiah forty four six. Isaiah forty four eight says, Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time and have declared it, ye are even my witnesses, is there is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God, I know not any. There's no god that can compare to the God of heaven. Father God, the Lord Jesus Christ, there, there, there is no god that can even There's no god to even be considered Satan is not even in that even remote category where he could be considered. He he may be people's god, but compared to the God of the universe, he is nothing. You know what you, you know what well, like uh, this verse, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever from the book of Revelations. That's their end. That's where they're going to end up. Ultimately, you you would end up looking on Satan and, 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 and not even believing that this is the worm that did this to humanity. That's, that's Satan's end. And he's the strongest other small g God in the universe. And that's where Satan's going to end up, in the lake of fire. And you would look upon him, like the Bible says, and ask yourself, in bewilderment, this is the one that did this? All of this trouble that was caused, that's what Satan's end is. And he's the best that they have to offer, that the other side has to offer. I don't, I can't understand God's mercy. I can't understand it. I, I can't comprehend how people could gather together and do this when I'm looking at here and God not to just say, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I, I'm going to just wipe them out. I, I just can't even comprehend it. Because I'm not, I, I, I wouldn't be that, I couldn't, it's, it's very good I'm not God. Because I would not have restraint when I saw that. I couldn't do it. I mean, it's such, it's so in your face, you know, celebrating that there is no God here we see an attendee grabbing a brochure at the Sunday Assembly of Godless Sunday Assembly at Los Angeles. And they've got all of their little bumper stickers. Which one of them says, I believe in life before death. And then another one says, Godless is more. And then another one says, born again humanist. They all always have to make a mockery of the word of God and of, of you know... Well, you know, I guess you better try to get your little little jabs in now while you can, because hell and the lake of fire awaits if you don't repent. And I don't wish that on you. I pray to God you get saved, but the reality is, is few are going to, especially if they've already went down this road. you got to be pretty far along to actually get to this point. I'm not saying they can't be saved, but, you know, I think, I think that it's safe to say few will particularly in the day and times we're living in. Here's some related stories. America's first atheist monument, a 1,500-pound bench. I don't know what that is, but it's a link there. And then another one. Atheists are good if they do good, Pope Francis says. This pope is the most liberal, fork-tongue, devil of any pope I've ever seen. He's condoning gay marriage. He's con- he's not saying he, he's going to judge the gay clergy in the Catholic Church. Who am I to judge, he said. Well, yeah, probably because you're a ab- absolute rabid pedophile as well. Why would you want to judge your brethren? Why would you want to judge your, your whole legion of pedophile priests that have been molesting children for hundreds and hundreds of years? All under the guise of acting like you're holy or something. An abomination. The blood of you know, fifty plus million martyrs or whatever from the Inquisitions alone, and I know they weren't all Christians, but you know all the torture and, and all of the evil that that is perpetuated from the Catholic Church. And he's and he's and he's saying back off on the whole pro life thing too. This Pope Francis, well, I guess he believes in abortion too. I mean, this guy he is beyond. The most evil pope I've ever seen in, in 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 this day and age. So that's that's that story that that report. So let's go further. Here's another um, email I received from a uh, a listener, and she said, "It's the subject says just like you've been saying." Okay, now I didn't coerce this. I didn't. It's not like I wrote to her and we've been talking about this this just came out of the blue this email she said Dr. Johnson it's just like you've been saying i am black i have encountered a lot of hate from black people in this country more than whites my fam now this isn't the first email i've gotten like this okay it's not the first My family moved into an area where there was both black and Mexicans. And Dr. Johnson, the blacks in the area were the ones that was was giving us the problems. They were picking fights with the kids and vandalizing our car and home. Then we moved to an apartment complex where we had problems again with more black people. They broke a bedroom window at night. They picked more fights with the kids. So many times that we had to call the police and they weren't of any help. But finally, a new owner took over the complex and weeded out the undesirable undesirables out of the complex it's better now thank god but we're still planning on moving from this area dr johnson my family and myself are from trinidad and we've been living in this country for almost 40 years and we've never encountered any problems before with any white people now again this doesn't mean that white people are perfect okay and she's not saying that but this has been her observation okay So, but as soon as we move back to the black and Spanish area, there were, there's where our problems with human beings started. We've lived around white people for most of 40 years and never encountered any problems with them whatsoever, but the blacks, that's a different story. Um, And then she says, check out the story below. Now, I actually added a little bit to it, but these are just some stories from this week. Um, This one's entitled, Surprise, Media Finally Waking Up to the Knockout Game. It's only new if you've been aggressively ignoring the epidemic of black mob violence against whites and other races like Jews and, um, Orientals. It's not just whites they're going after. Anybody's fair game if you're not black, essentially. And I think they've probably done this, they've done this to some black people as well. I know I've seen like that one subway video where that poor, uh, black man was like there and they just, they, I mean, they just nail the guy outside of a subway. So they've done it to their own race as well. Okay? So, editor's note, regarding this story. Colin Flattery has done more reporting than any other journalist on what appears to be a nationwide trend of skyrocketing black-on-white crime, violence, and abuse. World Net Daily features these reports to counterbalance the virtual blackout by the rest of the media due to their... See, if they were if they were reporting... On this, I wouldn't be saying a whole lot about this. I'm doing this to counterbalance it as well. Okay, Not because I'm a racist, but because I'm, if it was white on black crime, I would be reporting that as well. Okay, If it was as flagrant and in your face, and I would be reporting on that as well. But there's been a virtual blackout by the rest of the media due to their concerns that reporting such incidents would be inflammatory or even racist. World, World Net Daily considers, considers it racist not to report racial, racial abuse solely because of the skin color of perpetuators or victims. See, that's true racism. What they just said. It's true. Um, there's other reports here you can click on, Knockout Games. Now, if you're not knowing what that means, it's where groups of black, essentially black teenage boys are going around I think some girls too, but mostly boys. And they're just picking some random white person they walk by in the street and they're seeing if they can knock them out with one punch without any warning at all. They're doing it, they said, because they're bored and because they want to see if they're strong enough to knock out somebody. People are dying. These, these people are totally defenseless. I mean, a lot of these are elderly people and, and people that are totally not suspecting. They're not bracing for anything. They're just getting leveled. Pure evil pure evil but because i'm white i need to shut my mouth that's what the media would say shut up racist you don't have any right to talk about this you're white you're part of the problem oh really here was my response to her now she had already given me approval to say this i said thank you can i post this and keep you anonymous she said later yes you can I have taken, this is what I said to her, I said I have taken more flack from some of my black listeners about this than you can imagine. To them, now, I am nothing more than a bigoted racist that is also a heretic. In other words, since I started to mention this subject, they are trying to pick apart my theology and the ministry as well in order to justify their points about me being a racist. In other words, discredit the messenger, and you discredit his message. Even though it's not my message, I'm just, I'm just um, reposting factual stories that are being suppressed. They're not being made up. And then I said, "Funny, these same people never had a problem with my theology and this ministry before I started documenting all the black-on-white crime currently taking place. They had no problem with my my theology at all. It's just." Kind of, same time though, it's so, it's in other words, it's so easy to see through their attacks. Now I'm this and now I'm that. Never heard a peep from them before about what I teach or what, you know, my, the theology that I promote on here. My brand of Christianity or whatever. But now, oh, 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 you're a heretic and this just proves that. You're a racist. You're this and you're that how convenient how your timing's impeccable <laughs> oh i love it and i tell them i realize this was the exact opposite in the days of slavery and for many decades thereafter meaning the white on black crime which was equally as wrong okay so I'm not giving Mr. White Man a pass over all of the garbage they did during the era of slavery, the decades thereafter, or, or any other things they're doing to this day. I'm not giving them a pass either. What I usually do is ask them to refute the documentation below. I posted 12 pages of just links, hundreds and hundreds of links of these stories, of these reports. They're all factual. They're all proven. They're not my imagination. Just refute re- refute all of the links here on, on this massive epidemic, on this disproportionate massive epidemic of black on white, on Jew, on Oriental, on every other race, and sometimes on their own race, crime. Refute that. Oh no no! I'm a racist. i sorry. I forgot that I'm a racist. That that's why. It's the only reason I'm doing it. You know, I, I'm t- as I'm typing or whatever, I've got my KKK uh, hat on. You know, and my my um, Nazi swastika armband, and my riding crop, and my you know my desk head uh, insignia. You know, medal that I won during the Nazi war. You know, that's just, I'm just a closet Nazi. <sighs> Uh anyway, so what I usually do is ask them to refute the documentation below, but they can't, so they attack me personally. I tell them some of my best friends are black, and I absolutely love them, and so does my daughter, but that doesn't matter. I'm still a racist. <laughs> it's like, okay, whatever, I'm a racist, whatever. Label me whatever you want to do. Anyway, she, her response back to me when I asked her this so so her her response was, um, "Yes, Dr. Johnson, you can, as far as reposting it. He says, "I am ashamed to see the young black youth of this country wasting their lives on hate and lawlessness. They need the Lord Jesus Christ, plain and simple. I blame the parents of these youth for not raising their kids in the way the Lord intended a whole generation of young black black youth might be lost, and it's it's twelve pages of just pure links." Of black mob violence in the media silence, big list of racial attacks, assaults, and threats, all documented. None of it my imagination. Um, I I don't really see how it's biased. They're news. they news reports. You know, and I just post them because if I say something, I want to be able to back it up. That's what I did. So anyway, I'm not going to say anything more about that. I don't want to. I've already covered this in other teachings I've done, and. Um, I just don't want to, if you want to avail yourself of any of this, there's literally 12 solid, oh no, hold on, it's more than 12, it's uh, 14, about 14 pages. And then my teachings I've done on um, End Time Preparedness Prepper Mega Study, Part 1, where it says, When the Music Stops, How America's Cities May Explode in Violence. And then some other things that relate to the subject in part two. So, anyway, I just want to kind of cover that real quick. Okay, so then next we have a listener question. Um, her name's Laurel, and I, her question was about the grace we receive before salvation from God. Okay? I, I responded to her I said, the grace we receive from God before salvation. At least this is one definition of what I've heard. It's called prevenient grace. This is the grace we can look back on where God protected us and also used to eventually bring us to him through Jesus Christ. I should have been dead so many times over I could never even recall all the incidents. Now this is me talking, personally. I was really wild. Okay? Okay? Yet, the Lord had a plan for me, as he knows the beginning from the end, and I eventually got saved. So, see, I can really look back and see that, you know, God really, I mean, spared me many, many times. And this, you you can label it whatever you want to label it. But it's it's that, the grace of God that, that leads you up, protects you and leads you up to the point of when you get saved. Okay. One definition reads, pervenient grace is a phrase used to describe the grace given by God that precedes the act of a sinner exercising saving faith in Jesus Christ. The term pervenient comes from the Latin and means to come before. By definition, every theological system which affirms the necessity of God's grace prior to a sinner's conversion has a type of provenient grace. So, I don't mean, you know, to me it's just that's what it is. It's not anything where... You know, it's undeniable. I mean, it's it, that type of grace is undeniable as far as leading you up to conversion. Um, anyway, but you, you can call it what you want, but that's what it is. So then here's another question. Um, she says, okay, uh, this is from a listener, and she says, okay, these are the topics I need help on. The Last Supper. Can it be, it's actually not the Last Supper, but it's the um, Lord's Supper. Okay, and can it be done at home? <laughs> the Last Supper, <laughs> God bless her. Can it be done at home where we worship, since we are not at churchgoers anymore? Uh, my question, I, or my answer? I said, I think you mean the Lord's Supper, and um, see, okay, and I gave her a little link you could go to on the Lord's Supper. I take the Lord's Supper with my daughter before I do studies. We just did it today. Okay. We first, we pray first and confess any sins, which is very important to do, according to 1 Corinthians 27 through 32. Then we essentially recite 1 Corinthians 23 through 26 and take an unleavened cracker. Uh, you can get these from the uh, Jewish section of any grocery store. It's unleavened bread. I just think it's more accurate. Okay. You don't want to take leavened bread if you're doing a representation of the Lord's Supper. It's the same thing you do if you took the Lord's Supper in a uh, church. The the unleavened, I mean, they don't have dough in them. Leaven's a type of sin. Okay. Anyway, and then we use um, probably the best to use is organic grape juice. As far as you know, the 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 unleavened cracker and then uh, organic grape juice is probably the best you could do. And then I. I also um, covered this in a teaching I did called Listener Questions and Answers, and I give you a link to that. And then she also said, um, she had some questions on Disney. It was for my sister. We came across it yesterday, and she is excited to show her friends at school any PDF or printout, I guess exposing them. And I gave her a link to my studies I've done on Disney, which I also posted here which I've done so many on Disney that I I didn't want to list them all. I wanted just to give her the link to where they were at. Okay, so then I had another listener ask about being sorry enough for your past sins, and will God bring them up at the judgment? That was the question. My answer, a saved person will go to the judgment seat of Christ where their works they did after they got saved are judged. 2 Corinthians 5.10 reads, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in the body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, these are for saved Christians. Okay? And I'll prove that in a second. Unsaved people will ultimately end up at the great white throne judgment, where they will be cast into the lake of fire. Okay? You don't want to end up at the great white throne judgment. You want to be at the judgment seat of Christ. Only the saved will be at the judgment seat of Christ. I'm going to prove that in a second. Now, if we go to verse 12, 1 Corinthians um, 3, verse 12. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, um, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. These are the works you've done in the body since you've been saved. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now, that would be like getting into heaven kind of by the skin of your teeth, it sounds like to me, but you're still saved, yet so is by fire, which really doesn't sound that great. I don't know exactly what that means, but it doesn't sound that great to me. Um, but obviously, to be saved yet so is by fire is way better than going to hell. Okay. Again, if this was applied to an unsaved person, then why did it say, but he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire? It doesn't make sense. When it says, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble, those are the things that you do as works, how God views them. If you do something with a, let's say, a pure heart, you don't want to be seen among men, you're doing it really because God convicted you to do it. Your 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 heart is, in this case, is in the right place. Because not to say your heart's always going to be in the wrong place. It can be deceitful above all things and desperately wicked if that's what you're relying on. But I'm just saying, if you do something and it's for the right biblical motives and intentions, okay? Then your works are being built like gold, silver, and precious stones. Okay? When the fire comes down, if a fire, if you had gold, silver, or precious stones, and fire came, it would not destroy any of those. It would actually purify them. Heat purifies gold. Heat purifies silver. Dross comes out of silver when you heat it. Precious stones, same, I mean, it doesn't really purify precious stones, but it doesn't destroy it. If there was anything, you know, um, it would just pure, it would tend to purify those things, okay? Whereas, if you did something to be seen among men, you did something, Ah, uh, let's say you didn't have a cheerful heart when you did it. Ah, I gave this money, but I just did it because I just felt like I had to. Whatever, Bible says God loveth the cheerful giver, you know. And it says, you know, when you give, let not your right hand, right hand low. I know that's not always possible, you know. But I'm saying, are you are you giving so that everybody sees you and that you'll have a higher elevation in the church or 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 you'll be praised of men? Okay, if you give in that way, it's like those works are wood, hay, and stubble. Now, what would happen to wood, hay, or stubble if fire came down? It's going to burn them up. So if you had lived a life as a saved person and you gave or your works were like that to be seen among men or thinking that this is going to somehow I'm earning my way. Of course, if you were truly saved, you really wouldn't believe that. But let's just say you were doing it to be seen among men for just one example, probably the best. Or... Maybe some benefit you're going to perceive that you're going to get on this earth from this. Side benefit. Well, then those are works that would be most likely in the classification of wood, hair stubble. Fire comes down at the judgment seat of Christ. Burns those up. You will suffer loss and your works will be burned. But you yourself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. It's as simple as that. Of course, I've, I don't know if I've ever heard a preacher preach on that. Maybe once or twice. Anyway, but regarding our sins as a saved person, the following verses apply. Much more than now being justified by his blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Romans 5.9, that's Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood. We are redeemed. We are bought back with the price. That's what the word redeem means. We are bought back with the price through the blood of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ for these verses. You know? 1 Peter 1 18 through 19. For as much as ye knew that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, meaning we weren't bought back with silver and gold, from your vain conversation re- received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. The Bible refers to Jesus Christ as the perfect lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. That's how we're bought back. That's how we're redeemed. Through the blood of the Lamb. That's what covers our sins. Hebrews 9.12 Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption, being bought back eternally for us. But it wasn't by the blood of goats or calves, like it had been done so many years before that in the Levitical priesthood, but by the blood of Jesus Christ. Once and for all, it was finished. All that Levitical slain of animals stuff could officially stop the day that Jesus Christ was crucified and shed his blood to pay our sin debt. That was, it should have been over. Anyway, Ephesians 2:13, "But now in Jesus Christ, who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Was that word be made nigh? It brings you near. We're made near by the blood of Christ. In other words, we have access to Jesus Christ now through His blood that we did not have before he died and shed his blood. Colossians one twenty, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Hebrews ten nineteen. Having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest the Holy of Holies, essentially, by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is is an area where we would have never had access to, and only the most pure and highest of the Levitical priests could only enter in, I think, like once a year into the Holy of Holies, when they were doing the whole Levitical priesthood thing. But when Christ died, that curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the outer court was rent in two which was symbolic of a saved believer now having access into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant sat through the blood of Jesus Christ. We actually had access to that area now. Whereas before, only the, the the Levitical priests that were you know sanctified and this and that at the highest order could even go in there once a year and they had to tie a rope around their leg with a bell on it. Because a lot of times they died being in the presence of the Ark of the Covenant. Because if they had any sin in their lives that was unconfessed, they would die instantly when they'd see the Ark of the Covenant. They'd die. And they would have to drag them out. When they heard the bell stop ringing, that was the sign. Oh, we got to drag Charlie out. He, he didn't evidently, you know, pass the mustard there and then we had to drag him out. But see, this verse says having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. That's pretty am- amazingly, awesomely wonderful. And that's not really good lingu- uh, linguistics there, but... Hebrews 13.12 Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. The word sanctify to be, is to be made holy and to set, be set apart. We're sanctified through his blood, suffering without the gate. When he was on the cross, suffering outside the gate. Um, 1 John 1, seven. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. That's what cleanses us from all sin. That's why I'm real big on if you are leading somebody to the Lord, make sure that you're you talk about the blood of Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. Yeah, but the blood of Jesus Christ that He shown, thats very important. You talk about that. You have to understand that concept. I really think to—it's it's just important, and that's why I emphasize it a lot in my salvation teaching that is on contendingfortruth.com, you click on the True Salvation tab. There's some tracks that don't even mention it. They don't even mention the blood of Christ. You know, I I just really believe that's super, super important. I mean, those verses alone, I mean, pretty important stuff. We don't want to leave that out. Okay, so I'm trying to see where I'm at here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and keep going a little bit here. Yeah, I'll do one more, one more report, and then I'll I'll break for part three. Um, this is from a listener named Len, and he this is his his experience with a new GI Joe um, DVD, which forces users to choose sides before unlocking the movie, or it won't even play. He said, "Dr. Scott, I'm seeing this more and more. I recently watched the latest GI Joe movie, which is GI Joe Retaliation." I loaded the DVD into the player and set through the previews. Normally, after the previews have played, one is brought to the main menu, where they can press play and view the film. This time it was different. Before I could reach the main menu to play the film, um, I had to make a choice. I was It was a forced choice. On the left side of the screen was the G.I. Joe symbol. The symbol is the side view of a phoenix bird, phoenix that rising out of its own ashes Showing just one of its eyes, okay. One of the the, the main symbols of the com, of the coming new world order. The new world order is symbolized by the phoenix because you're got, you're going to have the death of the old world order, the age of Pisces, and the rebirth of this new world order, the age of Aquarius, where we will become as gods. Is what they promise. Is what Satan promises. So I mean, okay. So it's got the phoenix. The Phoenix bird showing just one of its eyes. The Phoenix jaws open as if it's screeching. Maybe he's hungry, I don't know. Um, inside its jaws is a five pointed star or pentagram, which is always good, you know, one of the most wicked things, witchcraft. Now, on the right side of the screen was a symbol for Cobra, the arch enemy of G.I. Joe. The Cobra symbol is basically a front view of a red cobra about to strike. Above these two symbols, on top of the screen, it asks, which side will you choose? The viewer must click on either symbol to access the movie. Pressing the menu button on the remote does nothing. One must choose. I imagine each symbol opens a different version of the film. Remember, it asks, which side will you choose? The problem is, both symbols are satanic. What I found so profound was, considering that both choices are evil, one must basically demonstrate their approval of the satanic symbol before being able to even watch the movie. They have to choose a side. They must choose um, which side of evil they want to align themselves with. I often wondered what the spiritual implications are for such choices. Now, this is not the first time I've experienced this sort of thing. The whole idea of of forced unethical decision-making is now quite common in the world of video games. I don't play them anymore, but I know from first-hand experience that many video games more or less force the player to make unethical decisions in order to finish the game. For example, in terms of role-playing video games, one may be presented with a choice. He or she, by the way of their character, must either kill their partner who is slowing them down to save themselves or spare their partner's life, resulting in the player's injury or death, essentially ending the game. So the player cannot advance in the mission unless they make some unethical choice in the game. Another example would be the player must abandon a group of sick people and let them die because helping them would weaken their character or jeopardize the mission. Yeah, I mean, these are great, you know, wonderful character building things that they're teaching us through these video games. Now, an important thing to remember is that people don't just play these games to exercise their fingers. They play to win. Usually the reward for finishing or solving a game is to see the ending. This is a very powerful reward motivator. One could easily become obsessed with conquering the game and experiencing the ending from the player's perspective. Finishing the game is the primary goal. Thus, if making unethical choices to achieve that end is necessary, then so be it. With this in mind, we can begin to understand that within the virtual world of video games, being righteous and honorable inevitably becomes a non-issue and is even discouraged. Some games offer the player a choice to play the game through as the good guy or the bad guy. Many times, though, the better ending and the most rewarding gameplay results uh, is from playing through as the bad guy. In other words, you get a better result. You get more rewards if you play through as the bad guy. Likewise, a better, more dramatic ending or reward awaits the player who has the most power, not necessarily the most honorable one. The goal in these games is self-preservation and self-gratification. Totally you know, um, they're just trying to build satanic ideals here. It's all about me. It's all about number one. It's all—I mean, that's what video games kind of are. You're just really just an effort in feeding your own flesh. Anyway, back to this. Righteousness takes a back seat. The game designers understand what a powerful medium video games are and exploit it as a means to further corrupt the minds of the masses. The obviously satanic agenda is to condition gamers to embrace selfishness, violence, murder, betrayal, perversion, etc., as these things bring results. Very, this is very well written. Oh, I like the way this guy laid it out because it's pretty much nailed as far as I can see. One can clearly see a satanic philosophy perpetuated in video games and virtually all secular entertainment these days. The agenda is to pro- proliferate a selfish, Me first, you next, survival of the fittest, I am God mentality. My observation, though, is now the Hollywood and the gaming industry wizards are forcing even further user participation with regard to secular entertainment. But now more than ever, the user is unable to merely sit back and to be entertained, but is forced into essentially pledging their allegiance to the dark side in order to view the film or play the game. This is unfortunate to say the least. Anyways, I thought I'd bring this to your attention. So many souls are snared by these means and rarely give it a second thought. And then what I did is I posted the teaching that I did, the part one and two teaching I did, entitled Fantasy Role Playing Video Games and Anime Exposed. It's not the most exhaustive thing you've ever heard on the subject, but I think we cover the big bases regarding it. And then also the PDF that goes along with that. So, um, I'm to the point where we're gonna go ahead and break for part three and I think we'll be able to get through part three in the next uh, and finish the teaching in the next part. So God bless you and we'll see you in part three.